Hello. Hello. I'm Alex. And I'm Val. And we are here to talk about a very sad episode. Yes. It's very sad. <laughs> I'm very sad. This is the problem. If your format is you watch Sopranos, then you come talk about it. I'm going to be sad. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy watching these last couple episodes. No, especially if you decide to do them in like 24 <laughs> like hours. Like binge them and get them done. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty intense weekend we're having here. Uh-huh. Um, what does it all mean? Mm. What? Is it all a big nothing? I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, um, we'll have to see how long it takes us to recover from The Sopranos. I think that's also why we, we would like to get this done um, before Alex leaves on tour, because uh, that would give us some recovery time. Right. Of course, when this comes out, it's already happened. I'm somewhere right now. You're somewhere? Yeah. We might be in Italy. Maybe. I think I'm in Germany right now. No. <laughs> anyway, hope nonetheless. You're, I hope you're having fun. <laughs> it's going great right now in mm-hmm. the future. Um, maybe I will have recovered from my sadness. My my loss for Bobby. Anyway, we have a lot to talk about. (laughs) We have a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, we've been really... Not just just our sadness. Shooting the shit about our sadness. Um, So we're going to talk about Blue Comet, Mm -hmm. which is the penultimate episode of The Sopranos. Yes. And that's crazy. That is crazy. (laughs) But... Also, it's really interesting, like, looking at these last... I would say, like, you know, we kind of talked about episode five as being, like, this midpoint of the series, right? And that we have before... Like, we have the first half of the show and the second half of of the season. You said episode five? Yeah. Wait, so episode five of what? Of what season? I'm confused. Of this of this season. Oh, okay. Oh, of, you said of the ep- season there's, of the series. Okay, so of this nine season episodes. We have a midpoint. Okay, got it. There's a middle point. Okay. It's episode five. It's Walk Like a Man. Right. Understood. And then after that, we have four episodes. Okay. And okay. before that, there's also four episodes. So right. it's. I heard. I heard you say series midpoint of the series. So I got confused. Oh yeah. no! This is not the midpoint of the series. <laughs> okay. Cool. Just checking. Uh, anyway, these last four episodes are insane. Right. They are. I want to talk about, just to start off, before yeah. we can even get into the weeds, something that I find interesting upon watching this is that, I mean, we've really developed a process of watching The Sopranos and writing notes and kind of coming up with these, or I mean, in, <laughs> in real time, we're kind of like coming up with themes to talk about and kind of like noticing commonalities on our own. And then we come and talk about it. Yeah. In some ways, those kind of detailed thematic elements aren't there as much for me at this part mm. of, of The Sopranos. Um, for me, it's kind of much broader. It makes me think about things in terms of the context of the whole series, where yeah. we started, where we ended. Um, there is these kind of like beautiful connections. Like tiebacks. And tiebacks yeah. to different episodes. But... There's also so much narrative development that's happening at this point. And there's so much that's happening in this episode that is just pushing the story forward, which frankly is a little bit odd in this show. I don't know. I find it like, yeah, like we do have episodes that are like slower in action than this, maybe more often than not in The Sopranos. But I think it's quite literary. Like, I feel like we are really like, you know, when you like learned about the 
um, you drew those plot diagrams in school of stories. I don't know if I Do got you remember that. that? <laughs> like, you have like the rising action, you have the climax. Oh, right, rising action. You yeah. have the falling yeah. action, then maybe a twist. Mm. I used to like to draw them with the twist at the end. But, uh, was M. Night Shyamalan your teacher? <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I deeply analyzed M. Night Shyamalan movies in my elementary school years. Cool. But nice. um, I feel like we are like we are at this climactic point where the things that are happening to characters, yes, like there is like action happening, but the things that happen, I feel like are all kind of like in service to the larger messages of the show. Absolutely. And so I don't mind that really. Like I think that it's like quite powerful, right? Like these people, like even for example, like suddenly Bobby being this number three guy in the mob. There's been some time coming for that. I and don't know. Like, let me let me say my thought and then yeah. you can say yours. But, like, that for me kind of comes out of left field. And I think it, like, for me, it's kind of in service of this, like, hammering home this idea of family. And in the end, your family also lets you down and you die alone in your own arms kind of thing. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. Like, because it's not, like... Like, you wouldn't imagine, at least, and I, like, again, like, there's multiple ways you can look at it. But, like, no one was ever coming for Bobby. Until this point. Until this point. Right. You know, like, like, even they say it in the show, like, he used to be Junior's driver. Right. Right? Like, there's no, you know, we, we saw the whole conflict, like, in Sopranos home movies with, like, you know, Janice really pushing for Bobby to have more, like, to be given more power or right. responsibility within the family, right? Like, just based on the fact that he's blood. Right. Or, like, a relation, right? Um, we, you know, we've always seen Bobby as this kind of, like, different kind of character who does care about his family and, like, cares about Junior, for example, which is brought back here. Right. So I, I do think, like, again, like, Tony losing these two characters, like you know, losing Bobby because now he's dead. But also, you know, Syl is completely incapacitated, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe won't wake up. Also losing Melfi because it's over. Losing Melfi because she ended that relationship, right? Like it's all kind of in service of, again, we like the scene we're left with this episode is Tony alone in a dark room with a gun. Right. And like that's what he has, right? Right. Um. And so I think like we have to go there to really fully explore Tony and the depths of kind of this whatever like if if it's if it's his psyche we're examining if it's his genealogy we're examining if it's just like him as a person that we're examining like we this is the thing that's always been kind of ingrained in him right and we talked about this last episode that you know like this was Livia's philosophy and this goes back Sorry, we have a stupid cat here. Um, <laughs> we'll keep that one. We'll keep it. Hopefully she Ota, stops. shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, but, you know, like that this is something that is like a prophecy for Tony. Right. Right? And I think like... There's an inevitability to it. Yeah. And so I think, you know, like uh, these episodes, you know, even like, even if we think about like him killing Christopher, right? Like that kind of set this whole thing off into his true self 
Right. Um, I don't know. Anyway, so like I agree right. with I agree with you. Like this, we're, yeah, we're kind of very action oriented and we're very Tony. like there's a lot going on. But I don't really like I see it more as like like yeah, where we need to go to fully explore Tony. Not necessarily Absolutely. I'm not really necessarily paying attention to like the action of it all. Right. If that makes I, any sense. I completely agree with you. I think my comment is more about watching this episode is different because there's less minutiae. Yeah, like, it's, it's packed. There, there it's is, there is all this action, and the questions that I'm asking myself and the things that I'm kind of deconstructing in my head are these bigger picture issues. Uh, agreed. Which is, of totally course, agree. completely appropriate for the end of the show. It's just interesting because it's different. Yeah. For me, it has a different feel, and there are different kind of connections that are being made. Um, and actually, a lot of revisiting of, of symbols and themes from previously in the show that kind of bring a kind of closure to the Sopranos. Yes. As a series. Yes. Um, okay. So what do we want? To... Oh, now I'm on. I was looking at my notes and I was like, <laughs> I was on last episode. Oh, you were on last episode. Was... Dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> well, med school too hard. That's what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too hard. That was my notes. Um, well, one thing. Okay. I do. I do yeah. think just as a total aside. Yeah. I mean, we couldn't do it tonight because you're not wearing proper clothing. But we, I, I would like people to see what we look like making this podcast. <laughs> it's very because, casual. And yeah, it's very casual. Maybe also like a sped up version of us frantically taking notes because it is like a very funny process that we follow. Right. Yeah. We've we've kind of got it down now after this like year and a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. Uh, and we hadn't watched the show for a while prior to this viewing. Like, there were things I didn't no. remember. Like, we were talking about this, like, I didn't remember that, like, it took so long for the stuff to New York to blow up to this level. I forgot that I mean, this I don't all think it was that long, it. but I guess by our, our standards, it was long. It was probably, like, three years. Two, actually, that's pretty long. It's pretty long. Yeah, I didn't remember. Long. Like, I, you know, <laughs> like, longer when we watch it, we get pretty wrapped up in it, you know? Right. But, like, I, I'm not good. Like, like, you're better at that than me, like, you know, remembering specific kind of events that go on i don't know but (laughs) but yeah you're you're definitely better at it than me but i i think the thing is like it's surprising every time and i really do think like yeah like last time we watched the show like whatever three years ago two and a half years ago um we had a lot of discussions about it we did a lot of reading on that time right but i really feel like there's a lot that's kind of hitting me fresh like me in too. some of these scenes, I feel like I've never seen before, not because I don't remember them, but just because they do impact me a lot differently right. in each viewing. So there's also know, just yeah. a lot of scenes I feel like I can sense different connections mm-hmm. upon new viewings. Like I can mm-hmm. sense the maybe kind of the gravity of certain scenes and also the intent behind them mm-hmm. a little more, or at least interpret them with a different reading, mm-hmm. whether it's correct or not. There's kind of something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like a magical show. Again, like, I don't know when the next time we're going to watch it is going to be. It'll be interesting to see. Right. But, you know, like, I know, like, my family also watched The Sopranos and, you know, different things hit them because they had teenage slash young adult children. Right. At the time. Like, there's just different stuff that hits you, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Where do you want to start within this episode? Yeah. Kind of looking at specifically what happens in Blue Comet. I mean, let's let's talk about. I don't know. This one maybe kind of works a bit more linearly than mm-hmm. than others. Yeah. But let's talk about like Blue Comet 
okay. first, maybe to start. Like, sure. You know. Um, so the Blue Comet was a train that ran from New York City to Atlantic City. Um, there's some conversations that I think you know more about it than I do, so I don't know why. I, <laughs> I was going to say it's weird that you're telling this story of the Blue Comet because <laughs> I'm done. That's my story. I, oh, cool. Because I just googled this briefly um, and found out that it was a train that ran from, from New York, New York, York to Atlantic, to Atlantic City. City. Um, in the basically in the 30s, like okay. from 29 to 41 or something like that. And Bobby in this episode, of course, like you know, most literally, um, Bobby is buying this train, right? It's a collector's piece, right? Like, this is obviously like an old train, um, and people want to pay eight thousand bucks for it, right. so you know, I don't know how expensive trains go for these days, seems but, expensive. <laughs> You know, it seems like it's a pretty important collector's piece. Um, and there's something about it that's important to Bobby, and there's something about it that's important to the guy that's selling it to him. Um, Bobby really wants this train, and they talk about, like, what if that train were still running? Right. Um, and what would that mean for Jersey, and what would that mean for Atlantic City? Right. Um, we also have, you know, Bobby's last words. Um basically well yeah his, his last words he don't care when because to this sales Condu- person, i always think of him as a conductor, a conductor. <laughs> that's not his job that's a specific role that people do right. in the world and right. this guy's not a conductor got He's, it he just has a hobby a train hobby shop and he sells used used toy trains and new ones <laughs> right um but he says your son will love it like it looks fast right and Bobby says he don't care, and those are his last words. Right. So, um, so there is kind of a disconnect between Bobby and his family. There is a lot of focus on people dying in their own arms. This idea of the families around the soprano, the sopranos, and also the people around the soprano kind of orbit. Mm-hmm. Um, what do they have at at the ends of their lives? What are their families? Ultimately, what have they achieved? They are they are interesting questions, and this disconnect is interesting too. Um, there's something very pivotal about the Blue Comet kind of representing this different time in America as mm-hmm. well that everybody is kind of yearning for. That's They're been not such on a central this train theme. Car having a Negroni, which is right. a great drink. It's been such a central theme of the whole show. Like I really think about again, like that cold open at the very beginning of episode two, season one where there's this kind of like discussion about where society has gone that kind of sets up this major question of the show and this major kind of premise of all these characters coming open? in at the end. The one time, at the very beginning, season one. Oh. Yeah, remember we talked about it. Yeah, I'm sure we did. <laughs> it's a long time ago. <laughs> it's like over a year ago. Um, but sorry, there is... <laughs> um, getting me off track. Sorry, 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 <laughs> okay. sorry, sorry. <laughs> so with Blue Comet, there is this conversation about how Atlantic City could have been a different place if this train Mm. was still running. Mm. So this kind of fantasy and this reminiscence of this train and what it stood for. There's a talk from the conductor saying could have been a different type. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) not the conductor, train store owner. Uh, Train store owner, conductor man says um, there could have been a different kind of person there. And Bobby says like, I don't know. I like that. They're they're conversing about the thing. I don't know about that, but it's nice to think so. It's nice to think so, yeah. Right. It could have been a better class of person. 
And so there is this kind of holding on to the past, holding on to this fantasy of a simpler time, of a time when the mafia was stronger, maybe had a stronger place in American society, um, when ethics were maybe a little bit more black and white, when family roles were a little bit more black and white, where everything was... morals, like moral codes and... We're even, simpler. Even there was with a yin Phil and yang saying, to like, everything. there's a, a sword and a something on the table, right? right? Like, these, like... They make people all wrong. Yeah, but, like, and, you know, I'll go back to that line after. They don't even so print people. Ahead. You go ahead. Um, no, I'm... I'm, I'm that's, that's what he is. Um, uh, no, like, like he, says, he, he says it either has meaning or it doesn't have meaning. Or it either has meaning or no meaning. Right. Right? Like these things that we like carry with us from the past and kind of like these trains, right? Like the blue comet itself, right? Like who cares about these model trains from 29 to 41? Well, Bobby does. Well, yeah, but like... But he's also alone in that. Like there is this kind of isolation in his interest that nobody cares about. Not only does a son not care about it, but it's seen as effeminate by... Yeah. By Tony, it's actually not respected. It's actually kind of like seen as yeah. a sign of weakness by everyone around him. Janice yeah. certainly doesn't care. There, there's that guy with his sons or son and his friends in the store. Right. Um, when that shooting occurs. Right. Um, and that's an interesting bad, one. Wrong, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, really bad. I mean, it also like just shows the collateral, right? Like, which happens at other times in this episode, Definitely. even specifically. Yeah. Like, I wrote I think, it down somewhere. My notes are just working. Well, so after I... Syl is shot, I mean, we have this motorcyclist who gets hit yes, and actually yes, yes, killed. Yes, 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 yes. I did write right? this. Down. I mean, yes. of course, we have the Ukrainian yes. man and we have the Ukrainian man's daughter. Yes. There's so many examples of the the behavior and the actions of Tony Soprano yeah. and the people around him and how it's actually impacting completely innocent people. It's kind of a continuation of the asbestos yes. theme. It's kind of like looking at yes. how what they're doing is directly kind of boiling over and yeah. hurting other people. Yeah. I wrote down sill, motorcycle, collateral damage, boys in store. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have that as a note. Um, <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, the thing about Bobby, though, with this, like, we'll come to that collateral damage thing, I think, because that's, like, kind of this, I mean, this show on the whole. But it's interesting, like, Bobby just misses this message to say, like, watch your back and change your and well, change your habits, right? not only that, but if he had been the one to go and tell Tony yeah. by the pool uh, about Junior, which yeah. is seemingly his concern, yeah. he would have been there when Syl got there, which yeah. is definitely a key moment. Yeah. The fact that Janice goes and tells Tony, which Tony's always kind of criticized yeah. of her getting involved for on yeah. behalf of Bobby. If Bobby had been the one to go, then he would be alive. Yeah. And he would have got the warning. Yeah. There, the other thing, like, just, again, like, blue comets, there's something for me, and I, again, can't quite... I should like watch these episodes, think about them, watch them again. Then like before we the watch podcast. them, to, to sound smarter than me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like secretly watch them. Then like I said, them. like it just—it's it's a lot together. harder for me to, to do this. I think <laughs> than it is for you. I think it's hard for me too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's very hard. But there is something we've had a lot in the past two episodes, or not a lot. I shouldn't say that. We have had some symbolism about solar systems the sun gravity yeah this gravitational pull right and there's something about the idea of a blue comet and that's actually like why i googled it 
Mm. but like as you were setting up the microphones or whatever because I was like is that something like is it like I don't know it reminds me of like something like once in a blue moon or something Mm. that would be like like comets even just like comets maybe themselves like seeing a comet with this like I don't know this like kind of beauty in the sky but like comets are also very destructive Uh, there's something I don't know there's something about this like I don't know, when I think of, I don't know, and it could just be my own brain, but like when I think of the words blue comet, I do think of like something very rare or something like that we see passing that's really rare. And I think there is something really special about Bobby as a character in this show. And I think like, especially, you know, again, like his concern for other people and his concern for his family is different than the other than the other characters in this yeah. show and so i don't know like i can't quite put my finger on it again but there there's something there was something i don't know it just yeah. like elicited something and i don't know where that comes from in me but there's that's something really about interesting that. yeah i like it yeah there's also something for me that connects to in kennedy and heidi when tony has done peyote and sees the roulette wheel mm-hmm. and talks about how it's the same principles as the solar system yeah these kind of celestial objects yeah. and this focus on gravity like you said and orbit and potentially well, and like comets, magnetism or comets something. exit orbits right like that's the thing about comets mm. is they 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 could be floating around in the oh, orbits but they they escape orbits oh i and they come. i don't know enough about science to know that <laughs> <laughs> not my specialty yeah um and there's something that's there. re- actually i think there's definitely something there i mean that's fascinating because we've talked so much about orbits and like how there is this kind of there's there yeah, it's it's interesting like there is this kind of orbit around tony and his actions and how they how they impact everybody including this kind of collateral damage element that were mm-hmm. just that's been shown in this in this episode but also how difficult it is to get out of that orbit mm-hmm. and how much of a pull there is and how hard it is mm-hmm. to get out and how ultimately almost nobody does mm-hmm. so if there is something if there's a celestial object like a comet that can get out of an orbit mm-hmm. and can break out of it that is interesting and maybe like that caring about people is what it is because yeah. these people are complete narcissists. They're completely concerned about themselves. They lack empathy and they really lack caring about other people generally. Yeah. Even And most of the time that they do appear to have feelings for other people, it's rather staged. So if there is somebody with genuine emotion, in some ways that might be like the key to getting out of this. Yeah. In some ways. Although again, like we see these, you know, kind of like following up from last episode, we see, you know, we get more on Tony and Carmela's reaction to Meadows' choices, for example. Um, and God, like... the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so lame. <laughs> but like... Can you blame her? Like, yeah, <laughs> I can blame. Hey, people I listen. Like, like I am I not like on team. <laughs> I'm not on team Meadow, but you know, like, girls been through some shit, right? And it's comforting. It's comforting to be around the things that are familiar, right? Even, no, I just even mean in terms they're... of Carm's behavior of like the way that she rationalizes this, saying like, "Oh, does compassion, patience, really oh. come to her?" That's what I'm talking about. Oh, that's lame. <laughs> that kind yeah. of behavior is not. I mean, acceptable. does co- does compassion, patience come naturally to Meadow? No, and maybe there's justice to it, but Carmela is very upset. Like, clearly, she did want Meadow to be sure. a doctor. So does Tony. We actually get a very more of deeply. a window into that. Very but deeply. that manipulation, that like kind of changing the narrative of. 
sure. kind of discussing it in a way that looks like you're actually happy about it and like putting on these pretenses and then actually going completely against your actual feelings and representing yourself for images lame. But don't most humans do that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a very like irritating way that it was happening in that yeah. scene. Yeah, I don't know if that's our last scenes with Artie and Carmaine. Uh, Carmaine. Carmaine. <laughs> Charmaine. <laughs> I have to say, if, I mean, there's also like, and I've talked about this so much and there's <laughs> that, I mean, there's, there's many times where I'm talking about color schemes, but there is like one of my favorite episodes where it really shows itself is Tony and, and Artie's final conversation in the garden where they're talking in the episode where the soccer coach, um, there's this discussion about doing something about the so- against the soccer coach and yeah. already convinces Tony not to. And there's this very clear black and white color scheme. I think I talked about the last episode. Yes. But Artie's last scene, he's wearing, again, like obviously he's a chef, so he's wearing all white. But there is this kind of yin and yang to Artie. He's wearing, I mean, they really like go over the top with it. He's wearing like a white like neckerchief. Neck, like yeah. handkerchief like around his neck. Like there's nothing but neckerchief. Neckerchief. Not a thing. But compared to Tony, when he walks into his house at the end, again, wearing like completely all black, wearing all black um, by the end of the episode, holding the gun, there is this black and white. There is this um, juxtaposition between Artie and Tony. And in some ways, like Artie has broken out of the orbit as well. And I think that it's been difficult for him at times. And we've seen him sucked in and we've seen the magnetism of Tony Soprano. But ultimately, he's in a different place. And when The Sopranos ends, I think that Artie is a civilian. And ultimately, like, there is this dignity to that in this show of breaking out of the easy lifestyle. I mean, it's not easy, but like the, the lifestyle of the mob that kind of gives you your own immediate gratification at the expense of others. And I think that getting out of that and living just kind of like a true and honest life as a civilian outside of it does kind of have this dignity. And I think that Charmaine and Artie kind of exemplify that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting, like, you know, for someone also, like the thing that kind of struck me is for two people who are supposed to be your best friends, right? Like these are people that Tony and Carmela have known since high school. Right. Right? And... Right. And like their friendship seems terrible, <laughs> right? Like so surface level and so fake. And you know, again, like it's kind of that like uselessness of trying to seek anything else outside of your orbit, right? Like it's just not possible. Like even you know, even Tony escaping his orbit to go to therapy. What you know? Again, we can talk about our further understandings of that from this episode but like it's not uh, it's like futile right like you can't be honest you can't but some people do break out it well eh, debatably but in some ways who breaks out maybe not break out but are able to resist falling in to some degree i think Artie is an example well no i i I mean i i agree i just like maybe they were never fully in the orbit because charmaine always kind of put her foot down yeah and stopped she's a strong character yeah absolutely um she doesn't put up with the bullshit that other people put up with right i don't know anyways yeah i I think i think that is Artie and charmaine's last scene just doesn't probably yeah i think it most definitely is yeah uh, I can't. Yeah. R.I.P. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think, I mean, we have a lot of characters' last scenes here, maybe. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. I kind of wish like we hadn't done the no spoiler thing. I don't know. Maybe next time we'll do it with. Next like, time we do our whole Sopranos episode by episode. Analysis. Again, we'll do it with, spo- with, with spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> episode one. But we'll have what to, happens in the yeah. In the we'll have to do it like starting again, like after we finish it the next day, so we remember right. all the shit. Right. But exactly. Yeah. Uh, Stick around yes. next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, for example, like I, I, I said, like, Artie and Charmaine, like, I don't think that's a spoiler to say that that's the last episode. It's it's also Melfi's last right. episode. That Maybe we can talk clear about Melfi. When we see her. I mean, there's there's such like a kind of like ultimate finality to yeah. those scenes with Melfi. It does you seem like You want to talk like about those? Let's talk about it. Okay. Um, first of all, let's... First of all, we have, you know, <laughs> what... I was going to say, let's just start with Elliot Kupferberg being a dick. And yeah, he is not fun to be with at dinner parties. No. Yeah. What a what an asshole. Yeah. That's also so professionally inappropriate. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. No, he's he's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Especially... But Melfi's also being really crazy because like, clearly she is grappling with what it's meant for her to, and we find out, have been treating Tony for seven years. Tony. Right. I don't know why I said it like Tony. that. Tony. Tony. For seven years. Well, and there is that, like, that last statement at the dinner party of her saying, like, it is fascinating work. Yeah. Like, which is interesting, too. Which, like, we're watching it. We're right. fascinated by it, too. Right. Just to think about, yeah, like, that curiosity. Yeah. Aspect. But then ultimately leading to her kind of working over these statements, like, criminal sentimentality reveals itself in compassion for babies and pets. The criminal uses insight to justify heinous acts. Therapy has potential for non-criminals. It becomes one more criminal operation. Do you have another one? (laughs) No, I have compassion for babies and pets. One more criminal operation. Right. Yeah, yours is probably correct. (laughs) (laughs) I always get these like a little bit wrong when I write down quotes. (laughs) Well, no, I just took the short form. You wrote the whole thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that, I mean, first of all, that is fascinating to think about that. Those statements does bring some different clarity to different parts of Tony. the show and to Tony. Yeah. I mean, I think about the whole Piomai storylines mm-hmm. and it definitely, I always think about that quote when that's happening, mm-hmm. but I also have the benefit of hindsight and having seen the mm-hmm. show before. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and the ducks and, right. um, you know, even like we saw last episode with like the thing that, you know, sets Tony off is is Meadow being with Patrick Parisi. Right. Right? Like, he does have this... I mean, babies, okay, but, like, his own kids are this right. soft spot for him. Otherwise, too. do we see an attachment to babies, specifically? Babies? Not really babies. Yeah. <laughs> There's not that many babies in this show. Yeah, I guess his, like, niece, Nika, or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do... I mean, the statement, I think, that it's just one more criminal operation was pretty strong right yeah absolutely and i mean we have seen the way that he's just kind of honing his criminal instinct and Mm -hmm. his skills and his machiavellian sense to kind of manipulate and we can see um melfi just just kind of over it like she can see the kind of croc through crocodile tears and how tony is manipulating her through his statements in that moment and she just kind of declares that it's that it's over it's over Um, i like we like i don't know if it's exactly where we start but we start off you know early on in those in that scene his last session with melfi 
um, with him talking about Meadow not becoming a doctor. Right. Right. And kind of he sad, says kind of it? sad and that it's just a nice thing to be. Right. And he talks about Dr. Soprano sounding very nice. Right. Like Tony. Very nice. <laughs> Tony did slash does have these hopes for his children. Right? right. Like he doesn't want for them the life that he has. Right. He's, you know, and again, we like, we saw that with him grappling between Christopher, like with Christopher and AJ, both being these like son type right. figures, right? Um, and yet there is this hypocrisy and this irony that he can't see himself. Like when, no, no, when Nolfi yeah. asks him, are you a shining example of wingtips and loafers lodged up your bowel? I think that's what she says. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Again, my quotes are close, mm. paraphrased. Mm. <laughs> um She's correct. She's absolutely correct. And it seems like a very clear statement. But at the same time, Tony doesn't really seem to have considered that. No. That like this like regimented hardline parental strategy resulted in all these problems for himself. Yeah. So why is he relying on it? Yeah. And we've looked at in the previous episode, like what characters have inherited from their parents mm-hmm. and questioning that. And it's interesting because Tony really is not questioning that in this moment, even though he's struggling, the irony is just kind of so, yeah. so stark. Yeah. Well, and, and Melfi kind of calls him out on it. Like she talks about AJ saying like we go from this kid who like doesn't care about anything to someone who cares too much. And like right. both are problematic for you. Right. Um, she doesn't say that. And then Meadow, like other women in his life, like somehow always manages to disappoint. Right. And, you know, is that a fair, whatever, assessment of it? I don't know. But... It's interesting. But it, it's probably not the assessment I would make at the end of our relationship with Tony Soprano, yeah. necessarily. I would maybe have different takeaways. But Melfi is her own character with her own agenda and her own expertise. Sure. And, and obviously a lot of, like, time spent with Tony Soprano that we don't mm-hmm. see, so... Yeah, it's but valuable I do, but to I hear think that perspective. It's you know it's interesting though because like again like she we see her reading this scene with Tony through the lens of this research article that's been published. I don't know if it's a real research article, by the way. Mm. I'd be really curious to know that because it is. I mean, coming from academia, like right. it's really like I I think it's like kind of a funny. It's a funny joke when people are all like, "Oh, have you read this article?" Like, oh, right. <laughs> um, and like that doesn't happen. Oh, it does happen. Oh, it does That's happen. the thing. Like, it's, it's like, very annoying at a dinner party. Oh, right. to, but it's funny how, like, it keeps coming up. Or maybe Kupferberg was like, you should bring this up to that other right. woman who was there, right? Right. Um, so, again, like, I like we see Melfi interpreting Tony's behavior through that lens. And she's definitely interpreting his behavior through that lens. But Tony says to her, like, think about the people like me you've helped. With right. all the human suffering in this world, you've done something important. That's There's something to there, like the platitudes that he's given giving to her mm-hmm. seem relevant. Like I yeah. feel like they, I feel like they actually maybe the writers, um, David Chase, Matthew Weiner, are almost kind of like handing it to us that he is manipulating Melfi. Like yeah, it I don't kind know. of goes a I little yeah, overboard. Yeah, I I think I could definitely see that read, and I think yeah. that's like we are seeing things through Melfi's eyes. But man, like I sometimes I just want to believe Tony. And sometimes I do see... <laughs> I don't like, really believe him anymore. <laughs> so, but sometimes I do see these... Like, I think, like... I think for for everything that is shitty about Tony Soprano... Yeah. He's not... Like, he has redeeming qualities. Absolutely. And he does... Well, here's, I, I don't know. here's the I don't thing, know. okay? I can't, so, yeah. here's the thing, and I think it's it's interesting because it ties into the themes of the show. 
there's this kind of desire to read Tony as this essentially evil bad character yeah. or there, there's or good <laughs> or I mean or black, not yeah, black or, or white as, yeah, yeah. Like just but like, there yeah. is this kind of desire to see like at the end of the show you can kind of put him in a box as like at the end like there is an answer like who is Tony Soprano well he's yeah. a bad guy yeah but this show will never hand that to us because they're always going to complicate those black and white assertions even though that's the plane that all these characters exist on the writers don't and so they complicate it by giving us good personality characteristics of Tony Soprano and of all characters. Every character in this show at some point displays good and bad behavior. Totally. Redeeming and kind of destructive. Destructive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's just, there are there are things yeah. that... It's not black and white. That are, there will never be black and white and there will always be ambiguity in this show. And that's the point. It, there will never be these kind of clear-cut answers and we will never be handed anything. So deconstructing to come up with answers is always a little impossible because there really is no answer and ambiguity is always going to be a central part of this show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, Uh, I want to talk about... Well, I don't know. I like one of the things that I pay attention to Mm -hmm. in this, at least upon this, I don't think I paid attention to it at all upon previous viewings of the show yeah. is the seasons. Right. And we are in deep winter. So we actually like missed right. Christmas weirdly. Right. So it's now January 9th. We see it on oh, AJ's So white and black both mean death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see it on AJ's computer when he's in his room with Rhiannon. Rhiannon. Which I love like I love how this show does like this deep, deep drama so well and then also these moments of humor. Right. When he's like, AJ's like, we could have been doing anything. Right. Tony was like, but you weren't doing, you were doing nothing. Like he was just like, it's (laughs) it's funny for AJ. But um, we have Tony emptying the pool, which like, again, like January 9th is not really the time to empty the pool. Right. Like that's not, you know, like it's, that's not really like a time, you know, who knows like like how long was AJ in this $2,000 a day. Right. Uh, center for unclear but we've like we've missed big events we've missed christmas which would have happened somewhere in there for example right um which we've seen in past seasons we also like tony's shutting stuff down right like this is even before he knows you know that bobby's dead and stuff you know what i mean like this right. is before bobby dies this is before things go bad and tony's like closing down his life he's like you know he's and again like there is this like it's from last episode two with aj trying to kill himself in that pool for example but uh, like why do we why do we find him there emptying the pool um and there's there's this water flowing we 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 start that scene with this shot of the the pool hose or whatever like the drainage hose right going down that hill behind there their house right mm-hmm. and this water's flowing out i don't know there's something there for me oh there's the definitely something there yeah i mean first of all we're connecting to the very first episode and where that original symbol came up of tony yeah. with the ducks tony with the ducks in the pool yeah and how the ducks like he was so happy about the ducks finding a home in yeah. in his pool and it's it's being drained now so there is this kind of finality um also, there is this kind of movement into the final season, a season that in literature and poetry and everything is constantly refer, like related to death 
and the end of people's lives. You disagree? The season? Winter? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the season of the show. I, snow, I was confused. Snow means white and black, both death. Both mean death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, for sure. But there's just like this overwhelming symbolism of the end, yeah. too, that we're being hammered with. Yeah. And water being related to death is something that happens throughout the show. Obviously, hammered home even stronger with AJ trying to take his life yeah. in the pool. But there's something there's something about letting the water flow out, right? Definitely. Like that Tony, like Tony's not... I mean, no spoilers. Um, you know, is Tony gonna have that ablution that other characters, other bad, uh, other bad characters who die in this show, right? Like, great question. Evan McKayzian, for example. Like, he's not immersing himself in the water. He's not even really dealing with it. He probably won't. He won't ever really. We probably won't ever see him go in any water again. He's letting it just like flow out. Yeah. You know, it's. I don't know. Something. something I think that's water. a great something about water. I think that's a great idea. Something, something about, about you know, no, I characters think that that, like that idea of maybe Tony know. never kind of having that baptismal yeah. relationship with water is really interesting. And because we've seen so many characters with water or or kind of like, yeah, going through water right before they die, that's fascinating. I actually really like that read. I think that's great. <laughs> is it a read or more like just saying random words that I feel like <laughs> kind of connect to each other? I think it's both. I think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it again, like maybe when I wake up in the middle of the night tonight, or maybe, I'll... or maybe he's just uh, he's MC just draining his pool. His pool. <laughs> totally. Maybe David Chase was lying. Totally. Unlikely, actually. I I will say, if anything, I think that like a randomness of that scene is the least likely outcome. Yeah. It most certainly does signify something. Yeah. Um, I yeah. And I think there are many different reads. We'd be interested. I mean. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah. If totally. you have your own reads, we're Totes. we're definitely curious. We like hearing people's ideas on these things. We really do. Um I more. more. We got more. More. No, I we totally have more. We well uh, just to go back to like, you know, Tony and Bobby and you know, the end of this episode kind of like talking about maybe this collateral damage. We do have this flashback in this episode and we use, we sure we do. use flashbacks very sparingly yeah. in the Sopranos so they definitely hit hard when we do see them they yeah. definitely come across as important they're important and we get a flashback to the scene just from this season right just from yep. Sopranos home movies exactly uh, when you know it's after Bobby's death and Tony is seemingly kind of grappling with it yeah he's settling it's when he's settling into the house where they're holding themselves up right what is this? At which point? When, oh, he, his... when he has that flashback? Yeah, he has it at the very end. Yeah, yeah okay. As he's getting to the room. Um, and so we have him have this flashback to when he and Bobby are in the boat. And Bobby yeah. says, you don't even hear it when it happens. You probably don't even hear it coming. And then Tony just wants ask your friend in there on the wall. Right. I think that's also interesting. Something I hadn't noticed until this time. When we were watching the last episode... Um, I was taking note in, in episode seven of the scene between little Carmine and Tony when they were talking how there was this deer head on the wall that was kind of framed between Carmine and Tony and was kind of staring at Tony. Which there also was in Bobby's upstate. Right. Near, Which is the one that's near, being referenced sure. in this flashback. But when we saw the flashback, it kind of put that back. I knew that there was something kind of relevant about that and that choice to have that at Satrials to have the, the deer head. But the fact that this that this flashback happens and that's included in it also seems relevant. There's this 
this focus on on death that's that's so strong and actually that conversation of Carmine and Tony they're talking about how they're talking about when when Tony went in to beat up Coco and there's this he's talking about how he should have killed him um and there's this conversation about how he should go to Phil bend the knee um it is really interesting because we do bring importance there's this kind of like we we kind of like put that we put these scenes kind of in bold I guess Mm. like by having the flashback and there is this focus Mm -hmm. now on death how you wouldn't hear it also on this altercation between Tony and Phil there's this kind of like also like dead animals dead animals there's this kind of like dread or foreshadowing or this inevitability that somebody's going to die and we won't hear it now Bobby has died but I feel like it also sets up more that people will die in the next episode of course (laughs) spoilers People are probably going to die in the next episode if you're just watching this show. <laughs> Not necessarily, but of course, this flashback gets referenced insanely for the last scene yes. of the whole show. And we will revisit that in our next episode. But I had not made the connection to um, ask your friend in there and thinking about how that relates actually to the last episode. Yes. Last episode and how there's like another piece of connective tissue that I never even really thought about. But that idea of you've... You know, you'll never even hear it coming. The fact that it's said in the first episode and it's actually repeated does make it a very pivotal statement that makes a strong case for how it could be related to the end. Yeah. We will talk about that next week. Yeah, it's interesting, <laughs> like because like we like the thing we also do know about Bobby has this connection to hunting, right? Like that he is a good hunter, and and right the like in Sopranos home movies, the animals that Tony is referencing your friend inside are these ones that Bobby talked about. Like he doesn't use harsh guns right. to kill them. He right, uses, he always starting to use bow and arrow. He uses again bow and an arrow. anomaly um, that. Yeah, like, I don't know, there's something, again... Well, there's also something, too, back going to back something to this theory body. of a blue comet, like this kind of, like, rare entity. I, I like how we've, like, made that up. No, it's all right. I really did Google it, and because I thought, like, I really did think, like, oh, it's maybe, like, you know, a blue moon or something. Right. <laughs> but whatever. It, um, that's how I interpret it. But again, like, that, the ethics behind Bobby's decision to use a bow and arrow for the reasons of it being unsportsmanlike are really interesting and do set him aside from almost everybody else because everybody else in Soprano world is acting in a way that benefits them immediately and is easy and rewards them. Yes. And Bobby is not doing that at multiple different times. And so it's even more tragic when he dies. For me, it's very sad. Yeah. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, I am right. It is sad. Um, It is sad. But uh, again, like... That's kind of like, again, like, what did these characters see as the outcomes for them? Like, do they know anybody who, like, got old and died? Like, maybe Junior, I guess. That but he's, in, he's like, now going into a state home, you know? Like, even Phil talks about it. Like, Tony's never done time in jail, right? right. Like, he doesn't know what he's talking about, basically. Um, you know, like, what are the outcomes for these characters? Right. Anyways. Well, that's the question at the end of the show. Yeah. And that's what we find out in the Like, next what episode. did you think? Like, what did you think was going to happen? Right. Um, you hope for better for characters right. who you see these, like, glimmers of goodness or right. whatever in. But, like, that's, like, it's a criminal operation, right? right. Like, again, like, it's said for Melfi, like, just another one of his criminal operations. Even, like, having a family, 
right? Like what's right. the usefulness to Tony of having a family? Why wouldn't he be like Polly and never really have a family? It's just another part of the operation. Interesting. I mean, very cynical read, but mm. there is this kind of fantasy though it. that we can see, you know, of Carmela and and others, you know, kind of like seeing a better future or a yeah, different or maybe, future. But maybe but... that was kind of like in the old days of the mob. I don't know. Right. You know, like again, it's kind of like looking back, like on the Blue Comet and having drinks in train cars right. going to Atlantic City. Maybe it's like... always been the same though. Maybe this maybe. cycle has always been perpetuating itself, maybe. and it's always it's been a constant. Yeah. Because there's that line where Carmela talks about like, is it really the same for us still at this age? Yes. And the answer is like, of course it is. Because nothing's changed. Like, there's no behavior that's different that would lead to a different outcome. And as long as everybody is engaging in this criminal operation and this kind of criminal behavior on every level of your life, there is no yeah. inevi inevitable ending that's different. Yeah. Like, it, or there's no ending that's different. It is in inevitable. Yes. To end up I, this I way. understand what you're saying. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad you do. I got it. Um, <laughs> Just wanted to clarify. We have. Um, you know, the whole thing, interestingly, like the thing I maybe like, again, like you can watch the show six times or whatever right? for me, um, and still never pick up on some of these things. Like I didn't quite realize the whole thing that sets off this is these New York guys coming to Sill thinking that he might flip and work with New York. Right. Bert Gervaisi. <laughs> Bert. <laughs> also, I like how that's um, the first scene we have is getting the newspaper, which is something that we've always associated Tony with Yeah, doing. and there's this and, guy that we don't know. Well, also in how Tony has said he can't do it anymore because mm. it's too dangerous, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And how Bert Gervaisi does it, and then ultimately he gets garroted mm -hmm. right away. <laughs> so seems like it's pretty dangerous to get your newspaper these days. It, it really is. But yeah, like I think that's that's interesting, right? And so we do see like who are these people that stand by Tony even though... Yeah. It's to their disadvantage, probably, in a lot of ways. Um, the other thing that was interesting to me in this episode is, like, thinking, again, which I've thought about at other points this episode of this show, but, like, how do other people see Tony, right? And so we, we get insight into how Phil sees Tony, mm. right? He, he sees Tony as, again, this guy who's, like, a glorified crew. Right. Like, no management skills. He's never been in jail. He stepped over his uncle for... Right the position of boss. Um, and I've been thinking about like how, you know, Tony's relationship, like actual like personal relationships with these New York mob bosses really have changed the tune of the relationship between right. the families, right? And so, you know, like, you know, we Johnny Sack as an example, or, you know, old Carmine, even Lil Carmine, who's a moron. <laughs> he is a moron. <laughs> I agree. Who's just like the most idiotic character maybe in the show. He's not good at English. No, his his word I mean it's hilarious. Like I love this show because like you right. like they have a character like that who you take seriously, right? Like he's like right. he's the son of the boss. Like you know, like he was the a potential candidate for the head of the family. Right. Right? And he's just this complete moron who misuses words all the time. And it's great. It's like, and it's so underhanded. Um, but yeah, like how people see Tony. And then like, and also this thing, like I mentioned before, like talking about how the New Jersey family like doesn't follow these same moral codes, right? Like according to Phil, like they let 
you know, they didn't want to kill Vito for being gay or they don't right. have these a sword and uh, something. Whatever. They don't prick their fingers. Right. Which I thought they did. Didn't Chris like do some I thought blood? He did do that, yeah. Do so maybe some he's blood wrong. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but like either it has meaning or it has no meaning. Right. Right. Um, and so this kind of like, you know, yeah, interesting, moral, absolute statement. Yeah. So I thought that was that was like something that I had kind of forgotten about. Right. Yeah, absolutely. To be honest. Yeah. No, that is um, really interesting. Yeah. Um, I have some like stray observations. Yeah, I got I got a bunch of stray. Like they're not like short strays, but some of them are. Anyways, mine so are short. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip through some. Great. It's gonna be speed round time. Okay. Okay. They're gonna be all over I'm the ready. place. I'm ready. One. AJ flipping through channels. <laughs> These are my notes. AJ flipping through channels yeah. lands on PBS Iraq conflict. Yeah. End he's, of notes. he's back. He's back flipping through channels. Right. Like he's still seeking. And we do see, like, you know, the scene where Tony is telling AJ, like, your uncle's dead. Right. He doesn't even tell him, like, Syl is in the hospital, right? right. Like, he's like, your uncle's dead. Um, and AJ breaks, like, AJ takes it. It's, like, all about AJ. Like, I've been having enough trouble maintaining. Right. You know. And right. Tony he makes it just about loses himself. it. Well, it's interesting because he also loses it when he sees AJ crying. Mm-hmm. So there is this focus on crying that we've talked about Babies. in this show. Well, even because we have Janice saying in the show, she like it's like a, you know, it's in the background of the yeah. scene where Tony's emptying the pool, but she says, "Be a big girl, only babies cry." Interesting. When she's leaving her well, with Carmela, crying is is just so taboo for Tony. Yeah. I mean, it's something that is seen as this sign of weakness, and it's interesting that he manipulates it in other characters, mm-hmm. like he does with Phil Leotardo. Um but it really is like that's the last straw for him and AJ. Like when yeah. AJ does that, that's when he really kind of goes all out. It's also really interesting how we have AJ flipping through channels again, something we've talked about, this kind of, this lack of kind of clarity in terms of what his life is or what he values or what he cares about and how he's flipping through mm. and there's multiple characters flipping through channels. But how he lands on the war in Iraq, which first of all just sets up the time and yes. I believe that there are these kind of indicators kind of, of well i think there's these like indicators of where america was that david chase puts in yes that is related to the themes and ideas of the sopranos that have taken us from the beginning in the late 90s to this time and i guess 2007 um and there are these kind of like small comment small commentary on the iraq war and the bush presidency that are kind of like reflecting on the time that it was made but the interesting thing is where that goes in the next episode and we'll talk about it but that's interestingly how Made in America, so much of it focuses on AJ thinking about joining the army. Yeah. Right? So that is something that's kind of Spoilers again. Oh, just spoiling. Big time spoilers. For me, like it was making me think back to whatever it was yesterday when we recorded our last episode. Yeah, but, I don't know. Um, but making me think about how I said like that AJ is interested in kind of like social justice issues. Right. I'm like rethinking that. A little bit. Mm. I think he's just drawn to destruction. Ooh, interesting. I think he's actually nice. like kind of just like drawn to that, like seeing the pain of other people wow. kind of like Bleak. makes him feel better. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know, like because that's his like, we used to see him like watching cartoons, right? right? Like kind of this like escape. Right. And now he like he land, like there was a channel with animals, like there was like a giraffe or some shit right. as we flipped through. And then well, he, like, lands yeah. on this, you know, like, people getting blown up by 
right minds and also there's this like equivalent to tony watching the history channel through up totally like well, he's exactly. found like, his tony's, equivalent to tony's that. drawn to that kind of stuff too right. you know anyways that was a good little stray observation there uh, aj flipping through channels right my yep. I'll, let's take turns <laughs> okay i'll do mine next um tony <laughs> orders a sandwich with gabagool provolone and pickled peppers Ooh, sounds amazing sounds really good and i'd like to eat that i would love to go there and eat that okay, okay speed round yeah, speed yeah round. that's what we're doing okay Tony looking at cigarette ashtray in flop house. <laughs> okay, that's my note. Right. One of the last scenes, actually, there's something there. When Tony walks in, there's actually... I thought this was a speed round. It, okay, so let's quickly. Just leave it at that, yeah. <laughs> James, well, <laughs> right. James Gandolfini acts it and was probably directed to actually, like, in the scene, stare at the cigarette mm. ashtray, which... I didn't again, even notice that. Cigarettes often are this symbol of being out of control compared to cigars in this show. And it is this moment where he is completely out of control. I just love the objects and symbols that they use to reflect that at different times. Also, like the camera work that's chosen to reflect feelings of being out of control during these late stages of the show. Yep. Next. Next. Um, When they go to the flop house, they pack (laughs) a ton of tomatoes from the cabinets of (laughs) Satrials or of the Bing. Well, you got to do that. Yeah. Okay. This was actually, this was like, speed run. this was like an appropriate, like Italian Sopranos theme night for us because we canned tomatoes this year for the first time and made the, like the gravy tonight with these canned tomatoes. So it was a very like appropriate um, Italian. Also, just can I go double, night. can I double my speed round? Yes. Go for it. Uh, also, uh, we go by Flatbush Bikini and Waxing Shop. We do. Very close to us. Very exciting. Which I don't know if it's a real place, but it's in our neighborhood. And I yes. like I like to think about Phil Leotardo and the New York guys living in Flatbush with us. You like like you like that. You uh, would like them I, to be our I like our neighborhood even better now, realizing right. that. I, when we watched it last time, I don't think right. we knew about Flatbush. Right. We Last time, yeah, we were living uptown. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, now we know. Now we know. Knowledge Next. is power. Next. Um... Just <laughs> at the end of Melfi, this idea of did you think about ripping out that page and what do you mm. know about your condition? Mm. There is this, I mean, just this kind of yeah. attack that she goes on, this kind of breaking of Melfi where she actually can't hold it in anymore and she kind of goes on the offensive against Tony yeah. to some degree. Well, we talked about, talk about last episode of like, is Tony really depressed? Great question. And... You know, it's still a great question, right? Like, again, like, what do you know about your your condition, right? Like, it is, like, right. is this just some kind of manipulation? Right. Um, Ultimately, it probably is. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. There is, and then, I mean, yeah, like, it's such a small thing, but him ripping that page out of the magazine, it does represent how he only thinks about himself, how he doesn't think about the impact on other people. Mm. And when you pair that with these images of collateral damage in this episode, like the motorcyclist... Um, yeah. or other examples like it does we do really see how boys in store boys my, in store that's my other note <laughs> we do see how that kind of behavior and that kind of narcissism really does have an impact on the world and that's a statement that the show yeah. makes speed round my, my last <laughs> thing is just Agent Harris um, I don't think it's his last scene okay but I think it's because I did watch again R.I.P. The YouTube channel that put together Sopranos characters' arcs into Seriously. full sequences. It was amazing and rest in power. Yeah, definitely. Also, like you know, fuck YouTube. I'm sure that Sopranos would be happy to have that up there. It's very interesting 
for people who like The Sopranos. But <laughs> anyways, we have this scene with Agent Harris where we see him like really like kind of getting on Tony's case in some ways, right? Like Tony's asking how it's doing. He's like, it's great if you don't like seeing your kids or something, you know, right. um, or being home or something like that. Um, and then, you know, Tony's kind of like being friendly with him, like asking about these, you know, like curious about these Muslim guys that he ratted on. Yeah. Um, the guys from the Bang, I forget their names. Um, and Harris kind of like lays it down. He's like, why would I be telling you that? Right. Like, he's right. like you're not like, again, like right. when you guys helped in <laughs> World War II. Yeah. Like, why would I be telling you that? And so I think it, like, it hurts Tony's feelings in some ways, you know? And, and so he says, fuck you. And he gets his sandwich. Right. And Agent Harris makes this decision to like chase him down. Right. Like he kind of like, you can see him like thinking about it for a second. Mm-hmm. And then he's like. And he gets up and yeah. he like chases Tony out of the store and tells him this thing like, remember that thing we talked about? Right. It might be on again. Right. You know? And he doesn't have to do that. He didn't have to do it the first time. Um, I I like. I mean, I love Agent Harris' character. Yeah. His was a great YouTube story arc. Right. Um, I think we may get one or two, maybe one more scene with Agent Harris. Mm. But um, I'm excited. Yeah, like, you know, um, again, like thinking about, you know, who are people who do good in the world, right? Like we have this commentary, this episode about Melfi helping people and doing something important. With all the human suffering in this world, you've done something important. There's something bleak, though, and, about this show where I even yeah. question that. I'm not yeah, even def- sure. Like, no, definitely. I, like, l- let, me, let me get there, right? Like, right. so like the way that characters view what makes a difference in the world Right. I think is really skewed because I do think that these characters, even the really baddies, like, you know, does Syl think that he's doing something important in this world by killing Bert? Right. Um, you know, is it psychiatrists and doctors who are the ones who have done something important in this world? I don't know. I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't know either. I've been questioning a lot. So I've t- I told Alex this today. Yeah. I've been like, what do I get from my parents? Like, right. it's, like it's been really a dark day. <laughs> what Since... have I contributed to the world as a jazz musician? <laughs> is it all a big nothing? We also find out that uh, Meadow is going to become a criminal lawyer, which is interesting. Because yes, at not one point, a constitutional no, lawyer. No, as Carmela says, which is fascinating too, because it shows the maybe acceptance of like the irony or yes. the... Well, they recognize that that would be like eye-rolling Right, you know, totally. So that is glossed over. But I think we're going to be talking about that a lot in the next episode. So let's just leave it there. I don't know. I will be. The fact of for me, (laughs) Meadow going into criminal law at the end of the show is very relevant and really does provide some closure to her character arc. And we'll talk about it next time (laughs) because we've talked about a lot so far. Yeah, next time was good. Um... So we've made it this far. We just want you to know that next week. There will be the final episode. It's gonna happen because we're, we're doing this. We're going for it. I'll be. Yeah, we could we'll, even yeah. put. I mean, we're gonna be done. We can do twice a week, or we could let them wait. Uh, we'll let we'll let you wait. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for waiting. Thanks for listening. Yeah, email us and let us know your thoughts. See you These next are time. Fun. 
Yeah. See fun you. episodes. Great. Fun. Great. Great fun. Great fun. Rate and review if you like the show. It helps people hear the show and we appreciate it. Makes us happy. We need happiness. We're very sad after watching this yeah. apprentice. <laughs> yeah. If you leave us a review on iTunes. It'll bring meaning to our life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye.